0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, the editorial team at Hotel Analyst gather around the desk of insights to give you a few words of wisdom uh, based around the topics we've been looking at in the previous week or so. These topics are usually around hotel investment, but we also look at other buildings with beds, uh, which we might technically call operational real estate. And if you like uh, what you hear and would like to read in a bit more detail, some more facts and figures, then please do pop along to hotelanalyst.co.uk where you can look into how you can subscribe and see all of that. Now the first subject we are coming to this week is some results. We are heading into quarterly results season from all the big hotel groups around the world and we're going to start by looking at Hilton and uh, Pandox the two early reporters in the season. Hilton of course global brands um, and Pandox a more European based uh, owner uh, but also a manager and operator of some of the properties that it owns Uh, and it seems like certainly in America um, the 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 numbers are starting to turn flat. RevPAR is certainly turning flat to negative. Uh, the market seems to be certainly wearing a little little weaker there. Um, elsewhere, Pandox looked to be less bothered and seemed to think that most of their ho- hotels are in European markets are facing a fairly Goldilocks period for over the coming uh, coming months. So, Andrew, what was your take on comparing and contrasting those two?
1: Yes, well, I think in both cases it was a case of the top line being good, uh, uh, being bad rather, and the bottom line being good, which is actually the right way round um, from an investor point of view. That profits is the thing that matters after all. So in Hilton's case, rev par, um, revenue per available room, which is an obsession in the hotel business, um, was worse than feared Um, it was down a full percentage point for the final quarter of 2019 Uh, but um, ebitda beat forecasts so um so for example morgan stanley analysts had penciled in uh, Hilton's final quarter EbitDA to come in at five hundred and seventy nine million us dollars it actually came in at five hundred and eighty six million so you know ahead of ahead of their forecast and ahead certainly of most most other forecasts so a good result from Hilton they they're making money in a more difficult climate which is a very good position to be in and it's similar at PANDOX as well and I would argue that in the case of both Hilton and pandocks you've got a state of the art uh, um brand company and a state-of-the-art owner operator in Pandox and brand and operator in the case of Hilton as well, um, although the bigger franchising business. Um, and that the old our old favourite NUG net unit net unit growth um, is still gonna hit the six to seven percent in Hilton's case. So they're still on calls to keep growing at a good rate. Um, So overall I I think this was a a nice looking um, set of numbers um, for both companies Um, and whilst there is clearly an issue in terms of supply what we're seeing is, is supply now exceeding demand it's going to be a bumpy little period but in many ways it's that what's the cliche when the tide goes out you see who's not wearing any clothes and you know the tide is beginning to recede a little bit not too badly um um but um you'll certainly be able to determine whether anyone's got their tops on or not i'm I'm not sure whether (laughs) their their bottom (laughs) halves are going to be exposed in this current downturn because it doesn't look too grim um um, waistband's
0: intact (laughs) yeah
1: yeah exactly um but so this is a very mild downturn it does seem that we're almost at the bottom of it as well but um we're about to go on and talk about coronavirus um <laughs> so that, that could put a spanner in the works a virus in the system um but uh all other things being equal it's not looking too bad at the moment and these two companies have d- have um done better than most
0: and of course talk about growth pandox uh tapped their shareholders for uh, or tapped their markets for uh, a good good dollop of of cash uh last autumn as they bought another um portfolio of, of properties in europe and uh sounded that anders Nissen sounded like he was ready to do plenty more as soon as he can get hold of some decent stock
1: yeah it was interesting isn't it because he, he seems keen on the uk yes yeah you know, a lot of people particularly continental europeans um said oh dear you know the uk is not going to be a good market given no, Brexit, he said, cetera, he said he said
0: something on, something very positive about brexit brexit's been great for him he said
1: yeah, no, it, it's unsettled people, and and left the field clearer for him to go and do his deals, which is good. He's also he's it, taking a very bullish view on the German market yeah now, I,
0: I thought that was surprising I, too yeah mm,
1: I mean he, he you know and the, the German market is the one where I'd be most worried I think because they've got uh, they've got a f- significant supply bump happening in most of their main urban markets which as we always know is, is the biggest challenge in the hotel business um, on top of that the, the macro it, um, economic outlook looks quite grim the headwinds are there I mean it had you know the final quarter of 2019 the numbers have just come I mean, it was completely flat in Germany and could well even tip into recession. are forecasting is certainly just going to be you know bouncing along the bottom um for the next year or so so it, it's it's interesting that um, germany is seen as as one of the places to be you know germany and the uk yeah quite counterintuitive um but um you know anders nissen has, has proved many doubters wrong in the past so i'm not going to call him out this time
0: right well let's look, talk about one of those headwinds uh perhaps coming blowing in from the east um and we've we took a took a look this week at uh, at issues medical and political which kind of <laughs> be bearing down on the uh, hotel sector at the moment uh, and uh, coronavirus you you will have seen doubtless plenty about it elsewhere but it's starting to creep into the uh, the minds of the hotel analysts and investors and uh, the questions are being asked at the at the quarter results calls and the ceos of uh, of the international hotel groups are starting to have to reveal what they think the impact going to be on their businesses as well as you know what they've done to date it's a very fast moving and a very mixed picture some some companies are telling us that there's, there's, they see very little impact so far. Uh Hilton was quite clear; they've closed 150 hotels of their own in uh, in China already. um Those plenty more remain open. Uh And then on uh, Wyndham, who also announced their results at the end of last week, again were looking at what they thought, what they thought the the hit would be on their on their their revenues uh, over the next quarter. So all trying to predict, trying not to rely too much on looking back to SARS. Um, a hmm. few years ago, and the impact of that. Um, Andrew, you, you think you think it's it's probably so far not not such a big deal, depending on, of course, on the type of business you're in.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, who knows whether it's a big deal or not. I mean, there's been much made of this being um, the Chernobyl mo- moment for the, the the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, maybe it will be, because um, certainly it seems that there has been a failure to disclose in a timely manner exactly what's going on, and that seems to have compounded the, the challenges with this virus. Um, whether or not they're on top of it, it it's really quite hard to gauge, given how suspect some of the numbers they've been that the the government the Chinese government have been putting out look um taking that face value it does look I mean it's all about inflection points here whether the rate of growth has turned a corner or not Mm. and it does seem that the rate of growth of infection seems to have turned a corner so it it doesn't look too bad and certainly the market in general is banking on this being over within three to six months that's the expectation and if that is how it works out the impact is not going to be too bad the the general consensus seems to be around a RevPAR impact this is for the, the global majors so um, the big hotel brands of um, Hilton um, or Marriott Hilton uh, IHG and Accor are one to two percentage points on their rev par. They're over there, the hit on the year. Um, worst hit is going to be Accor, actually, most right. likely, followed by IHG, yeah. um, which is slightly counterintuitive because Accor only has uh, about 3% of its room stock in China, but it has by far the biggest exposure to the wider region. And the meltdown is hitting the wider region. Remember, if you look at Bangkok, you look at, Singapore,
0: it's 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 looking pretty That's grim right, with all the cancer. The, yeah. in Macau, yeah. all the uh, all the all the casinos have been asked to close. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. No, totally. So it, it, it's you know it, that that wider piece, I think, is which is why and and all uh, the the global major with the biggest exposure in China itself is IHG with seven percent, but it doesn't have quite as much as Accor in the in the wider region. So it's. Um, look Bernstein the analyst at Bernstein put out these figures saying 1.8 percent 1.8 percentage point hit on the um on the IHG rev par a number for the year they're forecasting and a two percentage point hit on the rev number for Accor um least hits is is Hilton because it's got the least exposure in China uh, one percentage point and to Marriott just 1.2 so you know overall this is you know i mean frankly it's you know it's very marginal indeed in terms of the the impact on 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 these businesses um so providing it stays at the level that people are anticipating so this is and you know the the history shows that we recover from this stuff very quickly um providing there doesn't seem to be any sort of ongoing worry or concern or revisiting of this kind of thing that's what unnerves people and really stops traveling Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and the other the other more political rather than medical hiccup to a hotel market that we we had a look at was what's going on in Cuba, where, uh, of course, the Americans are now Getting hop, hopping about and trying to uh, claim that uh, that property which was expropriated from uh, Americans back in the revolutionary days should be uh, should be returned uh, to the uh, to its rightful owners or the, what they call its rightful owners. Um, but the news was revealed this week that uh, the boss man at uh, Melia, <laughs> uh, Gabriel Escara has actually been banned from America because um, mm. he's 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 not kowtowed to the Americans and done what they wish regarding a couple of hotels on the island that um, they claim are built on land that should belong to some american owners
1: Mm, it's certainly going to help as developers i suspect in cuba when this um gets reversed which ultimately i think it has to be at some point um uh, this it's you know legislators seem to do all they can to to hamper the global travel and tourism sector Mm. um despite that we 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 keep on growing we just grow faster than um, the average trend rate for economic growth I mean this year economic growth is forecast to be 3.4% this is what the IMF is saying we'll set back in November Um, travel and tourism somewhere between three and four percent probably at the top end of that. Um, The average over the last decade has been 5.1 percent according to the World Tourism Organization so you know this has been a very much a growth industry will continue to be a growth industry and for you know, emerging economies like Cuba—it's just crazy to to have them locked out of this. It's not the Cubans' fault, of course. It's the Americans, and in particular, it's um, the, it's how America is is making it very difficult to have direct flights to Cuba, given that it's you know literally on its doorstep. Um, um, There's that, that, a that's a major issue for the Cuban tourism industry and. Um, 2019 saw a 9.3 percent drop in overseas visitors according to the cuban um, national statistics office and um, they'd been looking to try and break through the five million number in the next year or two that's clearly now not on the cards um, but i think I- I- this is a this is going to be a hiccup i think mm. the the tourism product in cuba is fantastic and in um, meantime if you're I a european
0: you can make hay get over there
1: you can uh, and yeah sadly actually what, what happened the, the main European markets they all fell back as well um, so the, the 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 one market that had didn't was Russia so Russia's now in the top um, four source markets for Cuba um, but uh you know the, the, there is that potential to, to, to grow and i i, I suspect that canada is the number one market actually so the canadians are thumbing their nose at the uh, <laughs> as they fly over the us over there so, yes it's quite um, which is got interesting um, but yeah well, you know it's a shame i mean it's, it's the same with iran iran looked a fa- fabulous potential there for tourism and again that's taken a hit but uh um because of the you know political nonsense that's been going on but uh, we'll see i mean you know there are other markets which are opening up Saudi is going to be a very interesting one if they go forward I mean certainly their their electronic visas now um, make it make it a much more accessible country and they do have some very interesting tourism product actually Um, despite what you might expect it's not just all um, religious tourism there is some fabulous um, um, natural environment um, stuff to get out there and have a look at in, in, in Saudi. So uh, you know th- th- there are other markets which are which are there and potential. And you know coronavirus aside and the mad politics aside, I think you know we're in a wonderful industry which is set for growth.
0: Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, it's been trailed for months and months and months, but we have long been expecting Hamilton Hotel partners of the UK to get together with uh, an, a partner. And finally, that partner, that merger partner has been revealed. They're getting together with Pyramid uh, Hotel Management from um, from the US. The combined group now straddles America and Europe. Um, but this is a hotel management outfit with a bit of a difference, isn't it, Andrew? Yeah,
1: um, co-investment is the key here. Um, it's having um, skin in the game, whatever management jargon cliche you want to put in it. It's it's relatively small amount of skin in the game. I think as you discovered when you had a chat with Frank Croston. and yeah. but um, it's
0: enough. It's enough um, to motivate them to have have uh, an interest in getting a, a very good bonus from operating the thing efficiently and also from you know ultimately driving the value up as so to a point when you know you might exit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two to
1: five percent is what uh, two to five percent um, um, is what Frank mm. told you rather than ten to twenty percent which might be a you know perceived as the more usual slither equity portion um, that, that's been done so I mean by by using a more limited amount of the balance sheet that enables Hamilton to get out there and grow even quicker and I think what's, what's interesting here so you know in in the last decade what we've seen is this flood of private equity coming come over over and run the the slide rule over a whole bunch of potential acquisition targets and looking that you know the, what they're looking for is a platform we've got to have a platform and then it was there what they said and we w- then we build out that platform and move it on again in the five to seven year hold period well here what what um Frank has created what Frank and Chris the um, co-founders of Hamilton have created is a platform where institutional money can come in and just and get involved in just one or two assets if they want or of course a lot more if they want to Um, so that there's an opportunity here to get in in that way without this this going in and buying a platform in, in their own right so it's a you know you can take a you know, more cautious money can come in here dive in here and a more steady as it goes kind of approach um, rather than going all in uh, as would be the case if you you know you brought up a, a significant chain so it's quite an interesting uh, play and it speaks very much to just how institutional now hotel investment has become and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity here and uh, um, with a combination of um it's worth probably noting that pyramid and hamilton put together um while they're the third biggest management platform they're a tenth the size of the biggest mm. management platform so there's a, there's a big leap between number one which of course is the ambridge interstate um and what hamilton and and Pyramid are um, um, with 141 properties against the 1400 plus properties of Ambridge and Interstate. But Ambridge and Interstate are pure play management um company this is this is much more of a co-investment platform i think particularly in the hamilton bit of the business um less so the pyramid is more of a straightforward but i think pyramids see this as a way to, to to access and grow their their management and i think piece, if you look back if you look uh, back uh, the, uh, pyramid mm-hmm.
0: have done some quite interesting things in the past you know through the last recession i think they were quite involved in uh, in in t- in deals rather than just purely managing properties in the states yeah,
1: so. yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I, I think this third-party management company piece is where you've seen a lot of the real the deal doers get active and 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 and, and do things. And, um, well, and of course, I the other it, the other
0: outfit who uh, was very successful with this co-investment model was Algonquin, who of course got snapped up by Schroders.
1: Quite well. That that's the point. I think I think you know you don't have to go in and buy an Algonquin if you're an institutional investor. You can just you know put a one z yeah. or two z. Um, <laughs> Uh, hotel into into hamilton and leave them running it for you rather than actually going out and acquire a a platform in your own right um so i I think that is an option it's fine if you're the size of schroder's but you know maybe you don't want to take that kind of major major leap
0: okay well on that note we're going to stop that's enough for this week we'll say bye for now